Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Riku. Sora! Sora, look! The the keyhole! It it won't work! The the keyhole's not finished yet! What can we do? Maybe we've gotta go wake Kyrie up. Yeah, I think you're right. If we can free your heart. But but how? A keyblade that unlocks people's hearts. I wonder. Sora? Sora, hold on! No, wait! Class is in session, and today we are finally talking about some Kingdom Hearts here at the university. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university one of the seven guardians of Nerdy Light, senior editor and PlayStation lead, host of Podcast Beyond over at IGN, Mr. Jonathan Dornbush. How's it going, Jonathan? Beyond. Beyond. Hello, it's good to oh, be here. Th- Thank you so much for course, having me. Of course, thanks for uh, coming on and breaking the uh, the Kingdom Hearts bubble over here. Uh, been, I'm surprised it's been almost 50 episodes and I haven't done a Kingdom Hearts game yet. So, <laughs> uh, You know, I mean, based on uh, how little Kingdom Hearts there was happening kind of at IGN before I came there, I'm not shocked that I'm bringing it here too. It seems to just come with me no matter where I go. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to have uh, helped correct You are the that. Kingdom Hearts torchbearer then. You spread the majesty and light that is Kingdom Hearts. And I I really just try to tell people, no, wait, it's okay. I can help explain it. Don't worry. Excellent. Excellent. But yes, we are here to talk about the original Kingdom Hearts. Now, this game released back in 2002. It released on March 28, 2002 in Japan. North America got it on September 17th. Europe got it November 15th. And Australia on November 22nd. Japan would then go on to get the special Final Mix version, which added all sorts of stuff, on December 26th of 2002. Now, we would eventually get an HD remaster port with the HD 1.5 remix on PS3 that released in Japan on March 14th, excuse me, 2013. And then North America, Australia, and Europe would all get it in September of that year. Uh, it would the HD 1.5 remix later would go on to release on the PS4 in March of 2017 for all regions, and then on uh, Xbox One on February 18th of last year worldwide. And apparently, HD 1.5 remix is coming to Microsoft Windows this year on March 30th, 2021. Just a couple weeks from our recording, kind of crazy. Perfect time. I know, right? absolutely perfect. it's uh it's definitely been on a couple platforms i'm sorry you had to read all of that out it's de- it's been quite a journey for this it has game. it has <laughs> i'm just i'm waiting for it to be added to switch one Keep, day you're probably gonna oh i probably will i probably will <laughs> yeah. but to get your listeners and your mind jonathan back in the mindset of 2002 here's some other games you may have been playing 
Mario Sunshine released alongside Elder Scrolls Morrowind, GTA Vice City, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, Dark Cloud 2, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, 007 Nightfire, Neverwinter Nights, Splinter Cell, Metal Gear Solid 2, Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, Ratchet and Clank, and perhaps one of the most important games of 2002, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Yes, indeed. Man, I didn't I didn't realize how important and fundamental 2002 was to my gaming life. Seeing this list in front of me is kind of it, it's it's breaking my it's brain a little. It's strong bit. year, really strong year. Yeah. <laughs> we got and uh yeah, like across it all from like uh platform mascots to major RPGs to my favorite Legend of Zelda to just like so many massive games. Uh it's yeah, that was a really good year. Wow. Yeah, had had something for everybody. I'm I'm glad I didn't have to do like a top ten list that year. That would have been a rough year. Oh God, yeah. I'm I'm glad I was young enough to probably not understand what a top ten exactly would have like what I'd had to have think of things, and it probably would have just been in order of the like last ten games I yeah. played. But yeah, this is going back. If I had to make a top ten, that would be a, like a solid top ten, no matter kind of what the order sh- shook out. Oh today. yeah, and people would hate you regardless of what you chose as number one. Oh yes. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm used to that. I've done pl- I've done enough rankings at IGN to know it it'll never matter. I can never please everyone. You mean pe- like the internet just doesn't get behind whatever list you you put out, like all the rankings? That seems far fetched to me. That seems it's wild. Seems crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy that not everyone can understand that those rankings are are opinions. But you know, what know. are you gonna do? I know. Well, I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about some Kingdom Hearts, <gasps> a universally loved game. Yes, absolutely. So, Jonathan, what's kind of your history with Kingdom Hearts? Like, were you on board with this crazy Disney Final Fantasy mashup from day one? Did you play it right when it came out? What What's your story? So, Kingdom Hearts 1 is why I got a PS2. Um, I had had, I think for that generation, I had GameCube first. Uh, and then uh, back in the day on Disney Channel, which of course I was watching uh, quite often at the time, uh, they would have like interstitials in between shows, and one of them was occasionally they would run a preview for Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and I had actually, I'd never played Final Fantasy before, uh, so I was coming in like completely fresh from that side. And all, but I came up, uh, you know, loving Disney, being raised on Disney movies. Um, I think my parents used to tell me that I pretty much watched Aladdin every day for like year one to two of my life and I would just demand to watch it constantly. So I came up from the Disney side of it and they they would show these interstitials and it would be, you know, they show this brand new character who I don't know anything about with this really cool, interesting weapon. Cause I've never seen a giant key as a weapon. And it's like, he's swinging through the trees with Tarzan and he's going to Agrabah and all these crazy things are happening. I was like, Oh, that seems like the perfect game for me to go hang out in all these Disney worlds. That seems so cool. So I, Desperately wanted it, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to get it and a PS2 for Christmas that year. Uh, and I just distinctly re- remember I was like, well, we were having family over for that Christmas, and so everyone was downstairs uh, gathering. You know, like people were just getting there, and I was like, I need to play this game. This is the first thing I want to play on my PS2. I need to know how it is. Uh, and I opened it up, I put in the disc, and I started the game. And as the simple and clean uh, cutscene played, the the intro cutscene with the song. I was just so blown away because I had no idea what was going on, but I was so just enraptured by the imagery mm-hmm. of it that I that I kept resetting the PS2 so I could keep watching it. Um, 
and I probably watched it a, like five or six times before I actually got into mm-hmm. the game itself and started playing. Um, and yeah, and it was kind of just like love at first sight sort of thing. And then I, I was all in pretty much from minute one. Yeah. Uh, for me, I remember I was like, this is such a stupid idea. I don't want this game. Like leading <laughs> up to it, I was very much in the anti Kingdom Hearts camp. I thought it was just silly. Uh, but then I remember renting it and falling in love with it, like right around the time it released. And I will always remember it was maybe the Christmas after or yeah, it had to have been the Christmas after it had come out and I was in high school and one of my good friends at the time and I exchanged gifts and we had planned we had planned this in advance. He would get me Kingdom Hearts on PS2. It was, I think it was the greatest hits version at the time. So it was like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I would reciprocate and get him a copy of Xenosaga Episode 1, Do Rails of Mocked. Because um, he mm-hmm. was interested in that game and I was wanted a copy of Kingdom Hearts. So that's how I got my first copy of Kingdom Hearts. Um, but after renting Kingdom Hearts, I was just in love with it. And I had a friend, uh, still one of my best friends, um he was like into this from from day one he's kind of fallen out of the series Mm -hmm. since but uh just seeing his passion made me love it and it was just a great time uh yeah i um i i hadn't known anyone else who was interested in it at the time i later found out like some other kids in my school were interested in it and so we were able to bond i think before kingdom hearts 2 was kind of like the the real point where we all recognized there were other kingdom hearts fans because it was a weird thing to like admit to someone else that because it is such a weird cross section of a thing. Um, And it's funny that you mentioned the, like the anti kingdom hearts camp that existed. Cause at the time, like, as I was saying, I hadn't really played final fantasy or wasn't really into JRPGs at the time. So for me, it like, I wasn't coming from it from a like game side. It was more from the, the loving Disney Mm -hmm. side. And so for me, it was just like, Oh, this just seems like a fun Disney game. We're not getting a ton of those unless they're like, not the greatest licensed game. Like I remember playing the Tarzan game on GameCube a lot, but I can't tell you if it was good. It probably <laughs> wasn't, but um, it, it was just was like, Oh, this is the perfect game that I've always wanted to go hang out with all these Disney characters all this time. And it hit at like such a perfect age for me. And I think it's partially why it's stuck for me. And probably a lot of people is because it was on that cusp for me of like getting a little bit older than the target demo of kids that age for Disney stuff with this somewhat more mature the final fantasy side of it the you know the the Mm -hmm. original jrpg aspects of it from the square side uh and i think that combination just hit at the perfect time for me where i was just like yep this is my thing (laughs) yeah uh it, it was one of those games where it reminded me almost a lot of it the kingdom Hearts story reminds me a lot of marion rapids it's like at face value it seems like a combination that shouldn't work in any reality but when you play it it's just like holy crap this is amazing absolutely yeah and i love mario plus rabbits i i will praise that game any chance i get and now i'm i'm also frightfully scared of mario plus rabbits 358 over two days and whenever that comes out but you know uh we'll we'll see where that franchise goes because we've only got one game there so far (laughs) criminally that that, that's a crime that there's only one mario rabbits game i have to say I agree. Um, so, did you have like a when you've played the uh, Kingdom Hearts, the first one? Did you usually have like a go-to build at the beginning? Like, which did you pick—the sword, the shield, or the rod? 
Ooh, so when I first played, I remember that choice and not fully like understanding what the the ramifications of it would be, but I remember that choice really like really stopping me in my tracks. Like I had to think about it for so long and I ended up I think originally going I want to say um I I went with the staff, I think, cuz I'd always loved the idea of just like magic and games uh in general. Um I, I, again, not really knowing what I was in for, but just knowing that I enjoyed magic use, I was like, yeah, let me see how this goes. And I think, I want to say I gave up the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, as cool as I did go back and like try, I remember distinctly going back and trying because you get you get to use the shield for like 30 seconds if you pick it, like you get whichever weapon uh, you pick at the beginning there. And I was like, it was so cool to be using the shield for a second. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that it looks different and everything from just a standard like, staff or sword but yeah i i think i ended up going with uh staff what about uh for me i went with sword just because i thought it looked really cool honestly and like you the first bunch of times i played i had no idea that whatever you picked at the beginning kind of tied what the order you would learn skills and you would get stat up or stat buffs so i was just like this sword looks cool maybe i'll get it later in the game or something uh you never would but (laughs) yeah (laughs) It uh it definitely throws you for a loop there, and then especially then you have the the questions afterward when you're in the sort of like dreamscape mm-hmm. Destiny Islands version where again I didn't recognize that those questions would matter whatsoever, and I think the first time I I found that out I was kind of like, oh wait that dramatically affected the leveling. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Like I ca- I don't really remember. I think I tried to answer them when I first got them as honestly as possible. Yeah. Like I was not thinking they mattered for the game. So I was like, let me just be an honest person here. Mm-hmm. Uh and now whenever I go in it's like, oh no, I'm going to go in with a specific leveling idea in mind. Yeah. It's um I remember it probably wasn't until I really replayed them in uh the remix on PS3 1.5 that by that time I realized that magic was like really good. <laughs> Um, but for like a longest time like whenever i played them on ps2 even kingdom in kingdom hearts 2 like i never invested all that much time in magic and then probably watching speedrunners and things like that i realized holy crap magic is like really good there's some like really good spells so then i i started changing it up a bit i really I had realized that, oh, okay, I get, like, Leaf Bracer and things earlier, depending if I choose, like, the the shield to start, I, I believe. So it's like, that's a really good skill, yeah. so I'll pick that instead. So Especially for, like, critical runs, things like that. Um, forced my hand to, to change up what I selected at the beginning. But, <laughs> yeah, those questions at the yeah. at the beginning, I was like, ah, okay, this is, this is weird. I have no idea why this is what this is for but i'll just answer whatever oh look it's young selfie titus and waka that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me the the characters meant nothing and so i i assume you were coming in with more of a recognition of that side of things than i yeah. was yeah um yeah but one of the big things about kingdom hearts of course is the the connection between uh, like the disney worlds and everything so do, jonathan do you have like a big like what was your favorite world in in the kingdom hearts Yeah, in the first one, so it wasn't my favorite world overall, but I remember the, like, one of the most distinct memories, so this is a little bit of a cheat so that I can answer too, I apologize, but uh, the, 
one of the most distinct memories I ever had was in Neverland when you get the ability to fly. Um, and using that ability within the level and the, the difference in uh, momentum that that gives you as you're traversing. And then when you're, you're fighting on the pirate ship and basically you, you can't go too far, but you can go far enough away that you can be in the ocean basically. Mm-hmm. And being able to like skirt across the surface of the water that was barely moving. And you know, it's PS2 graphic water. It was hardly high fidelity, but being able to do that and then ricocheting up into the sky and then, uh, floating around the clock tower and all that stuff. Like that was just such an engrossing moment for mm-hmm. me um, that like the world aside, I think that that world is relatively simple otherwise, but that the addition of that mechanic uh, just really like blew me away there. Um, but in terms of actual like favorite, favorite level, um, I, I feel like it would go back and forth for me. I'm, I'm just running through. It's, de- it's definitely not Wonderland or uh, Deep Jungle. <laughs> um no, you know, my, my, I loved Tarzan as a kid. I still listen to the Phil Collins songs all the time, but uh, just not my favorite. Um, catching those damn vines. Yeah, that, that was um, rough. I, yeah. Um, hmm, I think I would probably have to go with, and, and it just, it keeps coming back into my mind, and I think it's a little bit of the Disney bias, but I think I just really loved Agrabah mm-hmm. because of being able to be within, like, within the city itself and then going into the cave of wonders. Like it was such a, my, my favorite thing about especially kingdom hearts one and two that I don't think we got uh, as much in three is the way that it plays with the story, you know, rather than just a mere simple retelling, like Sora, Donald and goofy being there mattered a bit. And so being able to be part of that story, that one meant so much to me. Uh, and, and, you know, being able to fight with, uh, Aladdin and genie with you and, and then going like deep underground in the cave of wonders and trying to figure out all this puzzle solving. I remember really, really enjoying it. I didn't love swimming around in the cave of wonders. That part Mm -hmm. I definitely didn't love, but yeah, that level it's the one that like, when I think of kingdom hearts, I can, that music comes up in my mind first, uh, Mm -hmm. sort of the like progression of that level comes up. Um, what about for you? Like what, what really stands out? Like I love, Aladdin is one of my favorite Disney movies of all time, so I'm kind of right there with you. I absolutely love Agrabah. Um, I think the level that surprised me the most, that I was like really amazed by uh, most, though, was Halloween Town. Like, I love just how dramatic yeah. everything looked. Like, the art, st- I thought it so perfectly captured the aesthetic of that movie. And the updates yeah. to... Sora and Donald and Goofy's outfit and and yes. all that was just so so cool. Um I hated some of the <laughs> I hated the platforming in Oogie's Manor and, and like some of the things Ooh, yeah. like that. Like so I think it's not the strongest level in terms of design and like layout, but just aesthetically I would say Halloween Town Halloween Town knocked it out of the park for me. Um yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. The as you were saying, like the the costume transformations for Sora, Sora Donald, Goofy are, I think, my favorite. Still, some of my favorite, like throughout the entire franchise. I think they're so good and so clever, and some of my favorite iterations of their looks in the game. And and when I do go back and think of like, oh yeah, I loved that the worlds like changing to the worlds affected mm-hmm. the characters too. Seeing that change there, I think, is the one that sticks out the most in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I. It just does so much more than simply throwing... I will say, though, like, turning... (coughs) Excuse me. Donald 
into a octopus and Goofy into a turtle for Atlantica was <laughs> amazing. I just can't stand the swimming yeah. controls. They're garbage. <laughs> and it's funny because they're roughly equivalent to the flying. And I agree with you. Like when I think back on the swimming, I don't like the swimming, but I do love the flying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just the like, I really think it is the level around yeah. it because of the open, the open air nature of it, like flying within the ship in Neverland is not great, but when you're in those open areas, there's something magical to it. Whereas in, yeah, in Atlantica, I often found myself fighting what, I I pretty much would always just rely on the the lock-on during battles in Atlantica Mm -hmm. to get me on the level of whatever the enemy was. Like, I I knew I had no hope in actually getting close to an enemy, probably. So I was just like, yeah, the the lock-on will do it for me there. Yeah, I think, I just remember especially like my first playthroughs of kingdom hearts getting stuck and having no idea where the hell i was going with in atlantica like oh i had to grab a dolphin and just ride it for a while up through currents (laughs) what it's i just remember spending a lot of time in that level and being being angry about it so that's probably tarnished a bit of my my view of atlantica (laughs) but um i love I lo- Donald as a octopus though and Goofy as a turtle was is S tier uh decisions. It's yeah, it's so great and it, like the the transformations in there made me always wish for even more as the series would go on. Like I think that was one of the things that that could be maybe less frequent, I guess, uh in later in- iterations, probably two notwithstanding, but um, yeah, there's there's some really wonderful choice transformations there between uh, Atlantica and Halloween Town, and and then mm-hmm. later and stuff like uh, Lion King and Tron and whatnot. But yeah, um, those really stick out in my yeah. mind. So I'm curious. You mentioned earlier how this you were coming at Kingdom Hearts more from a a Disney fan background as opposed to like a Final Fantasy fan background. What was your take on kind of the more uh, Final Fantasy elements or like the more unique worlds like your Hollow Bastion, like your Traverse Town, things like that. They were more closely geared towards Final Fantasy fans as opposed to Disney fans. So, yeah, when I when I came into it, the only Final Fantasy experience I had basically had was my friend's older brother had brought Final Fantasy eight over to our house. I saw maybe the first 30 minutes And then we stopped playing to go play in the backyard. And at one point he told me, oh, are you okay to keep playing? Because they curse in this game. And I think it was literally they said like hell (laughs) or ass. Like it was the lightest curse. Mm -hmm. But they said a curse. And I was like, oh, I don't know. We should probably check with my parents. And they told my parents and they're like, no, he can't play that. Because I I was brought up a, a little bit stricter when I was much younger. And so then I just never played Final Fantasy. And so I came in to those levels, I think... Not knowing the importance of those characters to other people, one, the just sheer number of, like, celebrity voices kind of helped ingratiate Mm -hmm. it into, for me, like, it is very funny to look back and be like, oh, yeah, Christy Carlson Romano and David Boreanaz and Lance Bass and just, like, all these different people whose names I knew from other stuff were playing these characters. And so I think that helped translate it because at the end of the day, those being Final Fantasy characters the levels didn't really need you to know the final fantasy games, at least like for my Mm -hmm. enjoyment of it, I didn't feel like I was missing something, not knowing their background. And so the Traverse town, especially like hollow bastion 
really, I think, reiterated for me why I, I loved Kingdom Hearts, because it was the melding of things was where, like, the intersection of all these things and then the original story that was using all of that was the most fascinating part to me. And so being in those levels where it is Donald and Goofy talking to uh, Yuffie and uh, Eris or Aerith, I forget which version the, the game actually refers to her as, forgive me. Um, but uh, just having them all together and talking and having Sid and Jiminy Cricket and just all these things was like, I, I know they're, they're uh, dissonant worlds, but because they're coming together in this new location, it really made me feel there was an importance to these new locations because it was bringing everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Traverse Town, especially like I have such a fondness for that world. Um, And in the perhaps like uh, who could say whether or not I have tried several times to write a script for a TV show pilot of Kingdom Hearts, who could ever say Um, in those attempts, I always loved perhaps writing in Traverse Town because it is such a unique um, specific location that is new and really allowed all of these elements to come together. Uh, and especially then when you throw in the, the Disney villains and having Maleficent and Riku in the background, kind of uh, seeing how that side of the story was playing into things. I I adored those worlds. I definitely lost some of, I think, the character relationship importance. Mm-hmm. But uh, like when I think back on Kingdom Hearts 1, again, I came into it loving that Disney stuff. But what I came out of it was loving the original story that was there. Um, that was very rambly. I no, no need to apologize. But, um, Th- this is RPG uh, University where we just nerd out <laughs> and chill like we're on a couch just chilling. You know, that that's the whole point. So, yeah, no, it's um, yeah. The, and so for me, those were I, I think the points in the game, especially when you get to Hall of Bastion, mm-hmm. which again is, you know, there's Beast and uh, the princesses of heart are there at the end. It's, you know, where you fight Maleficent, but it's also where you have these important moments with Riku and the, the gravity of that world and the way it's built, um, both from like the, the outdoor kind of like icy regions to it, to like when you're in this labyrinthine interior area, it felt important. Uh, and the way I think the game conveyed sort of the marriage of its different story elements, but also with its world design, Mm -hmm just made me go like, oh, the, it, like stuff's going down. The, you know, when we're at Traverse Town and we're trying to figure out what's going on because it's all this confusion, uh, the world reflects that. And then when you're at Hollow Bastion, the gravity of where the characters are re- is reflected in the world. And so I, I ended up loving those parts of the game mm-hmm. as much, if not more, than the Disney worlds. Yeah. Uh, funny story, like going back briefly just to the voice cast, it still blows my mind that, the back like glance bass is sephiroth like a backstreet boy he was a it's amazing like what uh yeah it's uh, let me see if i can pull up a cast list because it's so funny to go through that and be like oh this is just disney in the 2000s it's it is and funny 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 enough i google search just lance bass sephiroth and it had it as google does it brings up people also ask and the second question listed is is Sephiroth's is Sephiroth Cloud's brother? Question mark. And it's like, oh god, oh lordy. Okay, yep. They, okay, sure. Uh-huh. We'll go with that. Yeah, um, but, that works. It's canon for yeah. someone. Oh, there are enough um, ships out there, <laughs> and fanfic. Oh, yeah. So you do you, folks. <laughs> that relationship can probably go every which way the internet can imagine. But yeah, it's like 
it, that was also at the time where I think the muscle of Disney bringing in its voice actors was so great mm-hmm. too. So you get like, even if it's archival stuff, it's like you, you have Gilbert Gottfried as Iago in there and you have Tony, Tony Goldwyn as Tarzan. Like, it, it, it can be even just like quick parts that are in there, but it's, it's so great to see that star power associated with it. And it's weird and unexpected, but I think it kind of added to the, like, the special feeling as I, that I had as a kid that this felt like some important marriage of mm-hmm. things, even if, again, like, I had no idea of the... I really didn't know the importance of Final Fantasy other than it was a franchise I knew existed. It was... Oh, yeah, it, it is bringing all these really big names together. And, yeah, I, I always loved it for that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of touching on Hollow Bastion and Traverse Town, I loved... Hollow Bastion, I thought, was such a cool zone because like you said so much culminated in that and coming from a a heavier uh final fantasy background and being more drawn to it from that point getting all like this narrative and like uh, the the story beats and richer lore and all the princesses of heart and maleficent's crazy boss fight who which still gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies thinking about it um (laughs) Yeah, it was like, oh, I, I'm I'm digging this. I'm liking how this goes. And then Riku's possessed by some old guy, and it's like, what's going on? I don't know. But little did we know, this was just scratching the iceberg of the craziness oh, that yeah. would be Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it's uh, it is very funny to think of the elements that are there and what they mean and the implication in the future. But that's that's why I also really loved the first game because even if none of that had happened even if nothing that came after it coalesced mm-hmm. like if this had turned out to be some sort of flop all of the elements there still work on oh their yeah own. like anthem as the big bad still really works the i love the legion it like it's one of the things that i actually miss the most uh when thinking about later stage kingdom hearts is the like the legion of disney villains mm-hmm. was such a fun idea and is such a cool thing in practice when you see it and like as you were saying um Oogie Boogie's manner, like the platforming in there isn't great, but like Oogie's presence fighting with Captain Hook and fighting with Maleficent and Mm -hmm. them arguing about whose plans are really the best. Like some of that stuff is just so fun and so cool. And sometimes I think back and I'm like, how did Disney allow that to ever happen? I'm shocked. (laughs) Oh, I know. But it's, I'm so, I'm so glad they did because I think you get some of the strongest villain stuff Mm -hmm. there. And I do have to give it up to... Uh, especially, you know, on the non-Disney side, Billy Zane as Ansem. Yeah. Like he's just, the 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 darkness in his voice, again, it's so fun to say Billy Zane as Ansem, um, which you can't say about later games, but, like, him as that villain when it was just Ansem was the big bad and that's all you knew of him has, it just gave him such a, such a malevolent mm-hmm. presence uh, that, yeah, it, it really felt, as you were saying, like, in Hollow Bastion, when everything is coming together, with Maleficent, with Ansem, with Sora, with Riku, with Kairi, with everything, it really culminates. And I think for me was my first taste of like JRPG storytelling escalation, mm-hmm. I guess, <laughs> where like, I think there was, a, I forget where it was going around, but I swear I saw like a meme joking around where it's kind of like, oh, you start out learning at a school or it's like the simplest, you're just a kid having a fun day. And then by the end of it, you're fighting God. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I didn't really have a, a concept of that being a, a, a cliche of JRPGs, but it's like, oh yeah, here you go from just like, you're just a kid on summer vacation, having a fun time and wanting to go on adventures with your friends. And then by the end of it, you're fighting this just manifestation of darkness on two sides of the coin that are just so 
so massive. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I, I love that with area. a talking like, dog and duck. Me. I mean, exactly. It sounds like a really bad like trip, like <laughs> not even like a summer trip. I'm talking about like drug induced trip. It's like oh yeah, but uh... I mean. <laughs> To to give Donald a magic staff and 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 Goofy a, a shield and mm-hmm. to say Mickey Mouse has disappeared and a group of Disney villains are using this child that was kidnapped from an island uh, while his other friend goes hunting for him it's a lot of things where if you if you told I think a Disney fan at any point before mm-hmm. it, like I'm honestly surprised it it ended up selling as well as it did because I, I it feels like a really hard pitch as we're talking about it like in a vacuum on yeah. its own right now. <laughs> well, and it's the same like um, like I mentioned at the beginning. It's it, it's exactly kind of the same as the pitch idea for Mario and Rabbids. It's like okay, you give Mario like a gun from Mega Man and he teams up with other Nintendo <laughs> character like other Mario characters and Rabbids to like recapture rabbits who had teleported from the real world to the mushroom kingdom in a whacked out washing machine thing. And yeah, they just go around chucking guns. Oh, and by the way, it's like an XCOM tactical RPG. Yeah. The, Oh, and it's turn-based. It's like, wait, what? Okay. Um, yeah. Kingdom hearts very much has that. And it's, yeah, it's like, Oh, you're going all through this. And by the way, it's also, uh, you know, they kidnapped all of these Disney princesses and all of the villains are together. But also there's this guy named Ansem. And, you know, we'll get to his true nature eventually. But, like, just just thinking of what's going on there. And I, I think, especially mm-hmm. as you get into the escalation of the end with those battles. I, you know, I think a little a, a part of my kid brain, like, it was probably great that I was playing this a little bit younger. Because I just totally accepted it. Because, man, if you told me a, a, a game that was sold to me on Disney Channel would end in a shirtless Billy Zane villain as part of a giant tentacle pirate ship like, create pirate ship within a dark like dark dimension i like if you told me that's where that game ended up i would be like okay you you have totally lost me i was there with you when you told me i'd be hanging around in the jungle with tarzan but mm-hmm. what where do we go but you know by the end i cared so much about all yeah. of it that it, like it it just worked yeah and i i will say the, I think the biggest thing with Kingdom Hearts, the first Kingdom Hearts that it has going for it, compared to all the others, and, and you touched on it slightly, is this feels, this first century feels so much, it is its own self-enclosed story. Like, it it is very much its own game. It doesn't rely, like, the, the feature games on expanding this crazy lore narrative that just keeps dictating digging deeper and deeper and spreading out it's a very good self-contained experience in and of itself yeah that i don't think any other entry in the series can really tout um and i think oh and i think this is still a very good game for players that just want to play a just just kind of want to see what a kingdom hearts game is without necessarily diving into the deep end and having to learn a bunch of names and why people look like other people, but they're not the same people. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um when you when you have to get into explaining how Ansem isn't really Ansem, I can understand why you lose people. And it, it is exactly that thing of because the game 
uh, and, you know, I, I know there's tons of debates and, and discussion always of like, well, how much was thought about when this first game happened versus where we ended up? And, and no matter, you know, a lot of that can end up just being speculation. But at the end of the day, like this first game keeps things, as you were saying, self-contained enough. And yes, it does end on a cliffhanger uh, and does tease where things will go next, secret ending and, you know, just in general. But it it feels complete enough that it, if this were had been the only Kingdom Hearts experience, I think it still would have been really satisfying. Mm-hmm. And as you said, to get people into the series, I never recommend ever starting in chronological order. As good as Birth by Sleep is, like I never recommend starting before it because I do think starting here, even now, is still the best place to start. Yeah, hands down, hands down. I'm. I want to get your opinion. How many years yes. off do you think we are before we get a Kingdom Hearts 1 kind of remake in a style of like a Final Fantasy 7 remake that tries to like from the ground up reference all the other lore of Kingdom Hearts? Oh. Like I feel like this so has I'll to be- happen. At, like they'll do it at some point, but like how far out do you think we are? So, I I would love it. Because I do think bringing bringing in, I think, some of the extended lore that is that has no presence in one would be helpful. Uh, I don't think we'll ever actually get it. Mm. Um, be, and I wish that weren't the case. But uh, the more I think about Kingdom Hearts 3, the more I see that Disney is a very different company now than it was back then. Mm-hmm. And other than, like, touching up of this original game... I would imagine a remake of like the FF7 remake scale or an RE1 or an RE2 or RE3 remake sort of scale would require renewal of licensing and perhaps voice because it would essentially become a new game. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if Disney wants Square to play around with his, its IP as much as they did back then, because you look at stuff in Kingdom Hearts 3 and like you're essentially just getting the story of Frozen told at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and whereas in Kingdom Hearts one, there's, a, you, you know, there definitely are a couple worlds, obviously in three that remix things or tell new stories, but one remixes things and like integrates the story of, of Kingdom Hearts a lot more into the Disney worlds than I think we get now. Yeah. And so I, for me, it's more of a like, when, when Square approaches Disney, how is Disney feeling on that day about what they want to be done with their, their franchises, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Um, which is the most mundane, boring answer of them all, like the business side of it infecting the art side of it, um, which is just always a really interesting relationship for me that I think about all the time covering games. But that that to me, I think, is the biggest stumbling block for this to ever yeah. happen. That aside, in a perfect world where that does happen, they say, yes, let's do it. We love it. We know how much people love the original game. Um, Honestly, the answer for me would drastically change based on whatever the next Kingdom Hearts game or two is announced. Because I think they're they're at a point where they could almost, like, the future of Kingdom Hearts could leave Disney behind to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I don't I don't want to get into spoiling too much, uh, you know, the ending of three or anything, but there are enough story beats there that exist within the original characters and the original ideas of the series that I could see them almost leaving a large aspect of that in the past and just referencing what has happened. Yeah. Um, and so I genuinely like, 
I don't know. Like my answer would change in probably a year of, you know, <laughs> knowing whenever they announce new kingdom hearts games and seeing what the future looks like. Um, Cause presumably we're, we're not that far based on recent uh, Nomura quotes, but um, this is a very long winded answer, but basically <laughs> I would love for us to be pretty close based on how long it took us to get to final fantasy seven remake. I feel like we're probably a bit far off though. I, <laughs> what about you though? Are you, are you feeling like it's, it's close to No, I could, could see it maybe within yeah. 10 years, but I, but yeah, I think what at especially at this point with the success it's had, I could see a Disney Plus show being much more likely. Me too, and I would love to write it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I could see a. a we're getting um, I forget who originally reported it, but I think the Hollywood Reporter reported that there's essentially going to be a disney theme park cinematic universe on disney plus like they're going to create shows based on the worlds and rides around disney world and disneyland Mm -hmm. uh and that feels pretty close to like the idea of a kingdom hearts show but yeah i mean to me a kingdom hearts animated series is just such a win yeah uh it's just so immediately easy to sign off on as as a fan of it and as someone who sees the potential Mm -hmm. for it uh but I, i agree with you i think like a a translation of that original story into a TV show is more in the field of happening probably than, uh, than a remake at this point. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things, uh, that I always liked really about the entire series, but that really started with kingdom hearts one was all the cool keyblades you got to, you got to get, do you have a favorite design from this game? Ooh, uh, that is a very good question. I th- I agree with you that like for me, in the same way of watching the uh, the costume change was oh it was such a joy to see the the keyblade change mm-hmm. and to see what the different styles were. I'm bringing up photos because I'm I'm just trying to no. jog my memory. Um, sorry. No, that's perfectly perfectly oh, okay. valid. Uh, for some reason I heard you say no and I was like, oh no, am I not? I, I, I've broken a rule. I've done it. Um, but no, I, uh, man, I'm, I really, so this is a silly one. It's not my favorite necessarily, but I always loved how chunky the Olympia one was in Olympus Coliseum. Mm -hmm. Um, there's something about the like ornate Greek design of it. Uh, like trying to replicate some of the column work and uh, features of Olympus that I really, really appreciated. Um, I remember being, I think it's one of the, like a shorter Keyblade uh, in Mm -hmm. the first game. I think it's one of the shorter ones, but I always thought it was, even though it was short, it was the, the attempt to build the world soul into it was really cool. Um, Other than that one though, um, I always liked three wishes for the, for the like angular nature of it. Um, the kind of like the, not claw, but the, the angle of it, the ending, uh, always really struck me as like cool and powerful. Mm-hmm. and like, man, this thing will do some damage. Um, I'm trying to think of another one really, really was like a favorite for me. What, what about for you? Was there one that like really, I liked kind of the basic nature and kind of look of the, um, iron chocobo one that just looked like a plank uh, okay. of uh metal super long really good damage but uh i think reduce your magic by a crap ton i don't remember remember the specific stats <laughs> um 
Yeah. But no, the Lionheart one I thought looked really cool. As a big fan of Final Fantasy VIII, oh, yeah. I thought that having Squall's Lionheart uh, uh, Griever at the end of it was a really cool touch. Um, but then, like, Oblivion and Oathkeeper just had such an elegance to them and such a yeah. good dichotomy between one, of, one another with Oblivion being, like, this dark, very kind of gothic-inspired Keyblade and Oblivion being shorter but have like angel wings and kind of the two prongs that interweave together at the tip um totally. i thought was really cool um and really the ultima weapon is probably in this game is probably one of my favorite because it's like an actual sword i feel like it's one of the very few keyblades <laughs> that looks like it could like cut things yeah uh, yeah no that's fair um it's a it's a really good design especially as the the first one for a like ultima weapon being such a recurring theme throughout the series i really like the the initial version of it you're totally right um and yeah me not mentioning uh the other two was was more of a just trying to think of the world specific ones but i I think you totally hit it like the the dichotomy of those two really plays well together um and then yeah a shout out to the the squall one because when i when i saw his weapon in the game i was like his his sword is is also a gun like what's going on there? I love that again. Mm-hmm. Again, as someone who didn't really understand, I, I was like, he's so cool. And so to see the the Keyblade reflect his design a little bit too, I I I really loved and was like, I need to play King, uh, Final Fantasy VIII sometime. And then I never did, but I have it on my PS4, and I keep thinking maybe I should start this someday. I, I think you should. I know a lot. It's a very divisive entry, but I absolutely love Final Fantasy yeah. VIII. And actually, last year I think it was, or maybe it was 2019. I did a special playthrough where I let I had only a single character alive that I could use the entire game, and I started a brand new file and got plat- the platinum trophy for it. So I did my my oh, solo nice. character platinum playthrough. That's yes, amazing. It was a lot of fun, but I highly recommend it. Um, but uh, we had, speaking kind of going back to the discussion on all the Disney villains and everything. They were some pretty fun boss fights. Is there a boss fight in here that stands out to you among the Disney villains? Ooh, um, as you said, I think the Maleficent one is probably the best um, and most iconic one for sure. I think that one stands out the most. Um, I want to say I I had trouble with it at first, but I ended up really liking the Oogie Boogie one mm-hmm. just because it's so different. I don't, I don't know. This is one of those funny things where, cause I had played it so much as a kid and I played it very much in a vacuum. I never know if my thoughts on the original one are at all controversial to the fan base. Cause I've just never really like reflected back on it with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell me if you think these are just the worst choices, but I, um, yeah, I really liked the like game show design of it just cause it was, it was just something varied and something different because there's a oh, lot yeah. of combat in that level. Like a lot of, uh, essentially a lot of combat rooms that you get into there, especially and so for me, that one was like, oh, there's a, a formula to figuring out here to trying to get past him. Like there was there was a creative thought that I had to keep in mind for that one that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And there's no wrong answers here. No <laughs> wrong answers. Uh, maybe if you know, okay. <laughs> uh, But what about for you? Which for me, the one that I out? think really stick out, and I have to applaud Nimura and Square and everything for really making you some unique boss fights i feel like especially with the disney villains each fight had kind of a unique aspect to it to make it more than just a whack an enemy until they die kind of thing you had um oogie boogie where he turns into 
his like he merges with his manor so you have to fight and destroy all the tumor kind of the tumors and boils that are around um yeah as an example um but the one that really sticks out to me kind of along those same lines was jafar um like i loved fighting him as like the normal wizard jafar floating around the the room and that then you see him wishing to become a genie and then having to do that whole fight and tracking down iago and hitting the lamp with that it it was such a clever kind of idea that melded what happens in the movie in an interesting and creative way and turning that into a fun boss fight that was different from any of the other boss fights. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's a really great example of exactly that. You're right. Cause that essentially like the two phases of it. And I think that's similar for me with Oogie Boogie, even though I don't love, I think the second phase outside of the mansion as much where you're essentially having to like, Mm -hmm. um, go around that whole big area it did it lent it a scope that i really appreciated Mm -hmm. and loved uh and so yeah the same with that jafar boss fight it's it's one of those oh you think it's over it's 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 going places you don't expect to and it's it's a really nice as you said i think melding of traditional sort of rpg instincts for a boss Mm -hmm. fight with what the disney creations really were now i have to ask have you beaten sephiroth Ooh, yes, yes. I, I can say I did. Not on my first playthrough. Absolutely did not. Um, but eventually I went back. I forget when it was. I want to say it was when I played it on the PS2, like on a replay. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's actually where I played it the most out of any of the platforms was back then. Because I think I, I beat it a, at least six or seven times. Um, so, I yeah, I think I beat Sephiroth back then. Um, but yeah, I remember first stumbling into that boss fight the first time just thinking it would be any old boss mm-hmm. fight and again not knowing who sephiroth was and not understanding there was a certain gravity to fighting him uh and all these things i was like okay whatever it'll just be another fight and just getting demolished and i was like <laughs> what game am i playing what happened here um but i was i i remember feeling immensely proud of myself when i eventually bested him have, have you i have i remember the first time i yeah. beat him my friend Eric was over and he was like, man, I just, I can't beat Sephiroth. So I was like, let me try. And after a few attempts, I finally, I, I beat him. And he was like, dude, how'd you do? And I was like, I don't know. But, <laughs> but it's, uh, but yeah, that fight. And then you see Cloud and Sephiroth fight and do stuff. It, um, it, it's one of those cool moments. And I still think, I, st- I, I don't understand why there's not a Sephiroth fight in Kingdom Hearts 3. It's wild. I yeah. don't get it. I know they wanted to pull out like f- the Final Fantasy influence from Kingdom Hearts 3, especially the base game, but like why didn't you add it in the DLC when yeah. you had the it, other characters it's... like oh gosh. Yeah, it feels like such a missed opportunity. And even there for me like I was someone who because uh, I know we were talking a little bit on Twitter mm-hmm. about like uh podcast games or whatever like when I had brought up Loop Hero um but I like not even a podcast game, but just as a like zoning out and just, you know, going methodically through a thing and, and kind of it just being comfort food. I loved the Coliseums for that mm-hmm. in one and two, like yeah. being able to just go through the, those gauntlets was always just such a like a weirdly calming, methodical like, gameplay experience for me. And so I remember distinctly getting to 
um, Olympus in Kingdom Hearts 3, and there's, like, a certain point where you get into one of the courtyards there, and there's, like, a really empty area, and I'm like, I bet they're going to put a Colosseum-like gauntlet in there, and it's going to be really exciting, and then it never happened, and my soul was just crushed. Because there's something nice and comforting Mm -hmm. about having that, like, that escalation to be able to beat through. Yeah. it's definitely, you know, like KH1, obviously Olympus is the smallest world when it comes to like exploring the Disney property uh, around it because it's, it's that location. But having that as an option was always just such a fun part of it for me. Yeah. And, uh, well, I have a feeling that somehow the modding community with these games coming to PC will add in a Sephiroth fight. Somehow, oh, some way. I, I can't wait to see what happens. There. I am too. <laughs> like, I'm a big fan of like the... Um, kingdom hearts 2 uh randomizer uh that's out there i love like people are with even the ps2 version making full mods and recreating the story where you can play as roxas through the whole game with like unique moves and adding new bosses and there's another one that uh kind of brings in the Kyrie model from kingdom hearts 3 and you play as Kyrie in kingdom hearts 2 it's like all mm-hmm. these crazy mods and i can't wait to see what will really pop off now that it'll be on PC. Yeah. I, um, you know, there's been such a long time of us being like, what about X or Y Disney world? Or when is Marvel going to be in there? When is star Wars? I can't wait to see someone take, uh, Zemnis's weapons from kingdom hearts two and just make those lightsabers for a job oh, yeah. that you can play us or just <laughs> custom um, keyblades, like all the keyblades. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be probably a, uh, an IP uh, legal nightmare for Disney to have to wonder what's going on. But I'm looking forward to at least the screenshots and gameplay cutscenes that will come out. Oh, of it. oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Jonathan and I are not the only ones that love Kingdom Hearts, so we are going around the web. First off, we have user ZeoGold92 from Reddit. Shout out to the Power Rangers username, by the way. Some of my fondest memories aren't actually always playing the game, but writing out my theories, drawing keyblades, and printing out pictures of screens that I had no context for what was going on at the time. I would stick all this stuff in a folder and really just enjoyed adding to it. Sometimes I'd write my own short stories for games that hadn't happened. Yeah. I can I can connect with that quite a bit on on like both levels cuz I I was a huge fan of Kingdom Hearts 1. I don't know if you had it, but the the guide mm-hmm. book that was published for it um came with a essentially a trinity tracker and it came with like a huge sticker mm-hmm. book. And so it was every time I completed a Trinity in game, it was putting the Trinity in the guidebook on the page where it told you it was, or like checking out the full bestiary of enemies. Like that was the first time I ever fell in love with a game's uh, enemy uh, side of things, like the character designs for enemies and everything. Cause it was just all there and laid out for me. And it became this sort of like kingdom hearts Bible for mm-hmm. me that I would like draw, draw like notes in and, and keep up, you know, specific ideas from like a fight or a good move that worked and things in there and it became this like thing that i added to over time and also as i've mentioned you know written kingdom Hearts stuff myself i i very much relate to those those experiences now because you have said you just said that you have written stuff and you've alluded to give it we have to get a little taste of 
Jonathan original Kingdom Hearts goodness that you've written. So give give us a, a pitch. Oh man. So I unfortunately the the computers I'm working on don't have any of the scripts in front of me. Not that I can't remember, but I, I promise that's not a cop out. I just can't read you any direct uh, lines. But I was essentially writing a, a couple drafts of a Kingdom Hearts episodic series and really focusing in on adapting Kingdom Hearts 1. And I think the most important thing for me was that I wanted to focus really, really in on the uh, Sora, Riku, and Kairi relationship and their friendship and everything. Um, because, you know, there are large parts of Kingdom Hearts 1 that can go by and that's not the focus. And the game kind of recognizes that in certain points. But I really wanted to emphasize that at the beginning because the idea was like it's a TV show that you want people to care about these relationships. And so I wanted them to really be essential from the start. And so I think my first, most of the first episode takes place on Destiny Islands. Like there's very little Disney or um, too much of the, the, the Kingdom Hearts stuff really comes in in the end. Essentially the first episode is uh, the sort of the tutorialized section of Kingdom Hearts mm -hmm. 1 are these dreams and flashes that Sora has throughout a couple of pretty mundane days in the first part of the episode. So things seem pretty somewhat normal. Obviously it's, you know, kids playing on their own on an Island talking about going to different worlds. It's not the most normal, but <laughs> uh, try, I try to set it up as essentially like this strange thing is happening and slowly coming in throughout the episode. And then by the end of the episode is when the calamity of the island hits and the final act is essentially that moment in destiny islands where sora gets the keyblade doesn't quite understand what's happening um, but i really wanted to emphasize like the the sort of uh places where he and riku uh saw eye to eye and also very much where they didn't so that by the time where you see sort of riku accepting the darkness it feels like this really shocking moment mm -hmm. even if it's something that you know um and so that would all happen, and that would essentially be the culminating final act of the episode. And then it would end on Sora waking up in Traverse Town uh, with Pluto licking his face. And that would be the first <laughs> bit of Disney that you actually see. Would Disney probably love that? No. Um, w would they probably want more of a Disney note in the first episode? Yes. But I really wanted it to be just this, like, for anyone who didn't know the story, for it to just be like this what the hell is going on where are we mm -hmm. what's gone wrong uh and and then kind of go from there that sounds really cool um, i'd i'd definitely but... eat that up <laughs> uh maybe one day now that i can take because some of those drafts were i like i was writing stuff back in the era of those games coming out so my writing i would like to believe has improved marginally <laughs> but it's definitely been a little bit of time um since I mm -hmm. since I took a stab, so so maybe this this has kind of inspired me to go back and see see if I can uh, shape it up a little. There bit. you go. <laughs> there you go. Want to take the next submission? Absolutely. This one comes from Brainweez from Reddit, which I don't think is also another Power Rangers reference. But if it is, I've definitely not watched all of the Power Rangers franchise. That's so deep cut because um, I don't think it is either. <laughs> but. It would be a hell of it would a one. Be. It'd be really funny if, the, if these all turned out to be Power Rangers. Um, Brainweeze on Reddit said, I was lucky to have gotten the game together with APS2 for Christmas. Even though it was a busy day with what having my grandparents and uncle's family at our house, I still managed to play all the way until Wonderland. 
The thing is, I had no memory card. Oh, no. And so I couldn't save my progress. The oh, no was me adding it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a bit annoyed, but that didn't stop me from enjoying the beginning of the game a second time. I also remember finishing the game just before I left for a road trip with my family. I had struggled so much against the final boss, and to be honest, I was legit scared whenever Sora was separated from Donald and Goofy. But eventually I persevered and I even got to see the secret ending, which was stuck on my mind all throughout the road trip. Kingdom Hearts was also the first game I ever beat aside from Pokemon Red and Gold, and it made me feel like a big boy. Yeah, those moments in the final fight when you are separated from Donald and Goofy, yeah. You you realize how much of a, uh, at least for me, how much of a lifeline they were in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much I did rely sometimes on them coming in to kind of distract the foe so I could go heal. Yeah, there th- that was definitely... It worked on a, like, gameplay and an, a narrative level, and it's... Yeah, it, I think it's another reminder of just, like... Yeah. H- how well I think that game balanced everything. Oh, for sure, and then going in... Having to go into those portals to rescue each one of them against, like, crazy yeah. mobs of really strong enemies, and it's just like, ugh, I'm so tense, and if you die, you have to start everything <laughs> over. Uh yeah um, the the good old times too. <laughs> but yeah the um the secret ending too i remember that that was a, a time where you know the internet is not what it mm-hmm. was so that was sort of like a fabled thing of legend that i didn't get when i first played and then as i started to kind of get invested in kingdom hearts forums and reading from people uh and checking in on things was the realization that i had missed the secret ending was like oh my god what and like watching mm-hmm. it for the first time just blew me away it was just the cool like, oh, yeah. that was the oh this is cool Th- things are going down oh i know this is seeing yeah. a, a mysterious character that wasn't sora wield two keyblades let alone two of sora's keyblades what is going on yep. they're allowed to do that like, what is going on and is that riku i don't know i thought riku was like kind of dead sort of <laughs> thing and then, like, yep. a few months later after we got it here, then the rumblings of the whole se- new secret ending, including the final mix version. And it's like, holy oh, crap, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. it the, the it, That came at a perfect time where the internet was just limited enough that the hype of that could sustain you for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I adored it. So good. It's still such, like, even remembering it just, like, gives me shivers. Because it was such a big thing like i remember talking over it with like my friends in in school about and like looking at screenshots and printing off uh pages of the 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 picture the screens and stuff and it's like oh my god oh oh, this is what do you think it means i don't know that's yeah um and and for it to be this like modern cityscape Mm -hmm. too uh was just so like what where are we going with this? And it, yeah, it was, it, it was similar to me for especially the like, it, you know, there, there's more of a clear defined path mm-hmm. from this one, but even just the, like the post credit scene of the first Iron Man was yeah. just like, Oh, this is so much bigger than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I loved it. Still so good. Still so good. Uh, next up we have user Panda pajamas, 17, also possibly a power Rangers reference. Uh, from Reddit, they say the bittersweet ending sequence of Kingdom Hearts 1 is incredible. The song, Kyrie's return to Destiny Island, and the scenes during the credits all felt like a cohesive piece. Then, the secret deep dive cutscene was so unexpected and action packed, it left me with a ton of questions and hype for a sequel. Despite being a cliffhanger, Kingdom, Wo- Kingdom Hearts 1's ending is what I think of as a truly satisfying ending. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that goes back to what we had mentioned earlier, how this is a, a self-contained story. Yeah, it, um, it it totally could have ended there and I would have been very fulfilled by it. Like, it, it really does satisfy it as much as I wanted to. Like, I had to know, was Sora going to get back to Kyrie and, uh, you know, what was going to happen with all this stuff? And obviously that cutscene teasing is such a different world. I wanted to know where all those things were going, but if it never happened, I still would have felt really happy with where it ended up and i think that's why i've i enjoyed replaying that game so much was because it did feel like it was this really great whole mm-hmm. package for sure uh the i can hop on to the course. next one if you'd like from uh moop 5872 i believe that was a power rangers villain voiced by brian Cranston. oh yes uh moop one of my favorite roles of his uh moop said i have this friend who i've known since i was two and she was four Kingdom Hearts has always been our favorite series, and we regularly replay it. A few years ago, we were playing Kingdom Hearts 1, and we kissed. Long story short, we now have a kid together, and we've, we're engaged. See? Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts is not just about the power of friendship. It's about the power it's of love. It's true. They let their hearts be their guiding key to each other. I really hope they had a Kingdom Hearts themed one. I, I hope they do, too. Moop, you'll have to let us know uh, when you guys... Uh, congratulations, of course, first, but... You will have to yes. let us know. Did you have like a Kyrie and Sora topper? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Or it, like two Keyblades, kind of just like perfectly intertwined. Yeah, yeah. I got. I gotta know what the cake was like. Yeah, I'm having a Kingdom Hearts themed table at my wedding in October. Oh, it's true. nice. Uh, what uh, what is going into the theme? And can you say no? It or you uh, it pro- back for- various probably get some Kingdom Hearts. Um, like looking things, probably some keyblade, like the keyblade king, uh, keychains and stuff like that. But we're having a yeah a, a nerddom theme wedding. So each of the tables at the reception, if we c- can have a reception, will be based mm-hmm. on a specific uh, hobby or nerd nerdy thing that my fiance and I both like. So we'll have like a murder nice. mystery table, a Doctor Who table, Magic the Gath- Gathering, Kingdom Hearts stuff like that. It'll be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. But congrats again, Moop, and uh, glad Kingdom Hearts brought you, I guess it didn't bring you together, but I'm glad it (laughs) tied you together in such a special way. Next up, we have user Gail Eric from Reddit. The ending of Kingdom Hearts 1 for me. This This is during the time when it was still a standalone game. We fought so hard and managed to beat the big bad, but the trio being separated and Kyrie ending up alone in Destiny Island was quite bittersweet. Then, of course, there's the post credit scene where we see Sora, Donald, and Goofy somehow end up in the middle of a grass plains and see Pluto bringing something belonging to Mickey, and they chase after him. It leaves me with wanting more, but at the time, there was no confirmation if there was even going to be more Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Yeah, I guess um, thinking back on it, Mickey is really, I think, the probably most dangling thread of it that gets less resolved than everything else, um, or or it's due, mm-hmm. I, I guess. Um, obviously, he comes back in with the ending and everything, but yeah, the the importance, I guess, of King Mickey was always really funny to me, of just like this, the elevated status for Mickey, which, you know, made sense with the Disney side of it, but it was the the importance to him in this world, I think... Uh, was really teased well by that ending of like, okay, so there's um, like understanding 
the the Disney hierarchy in this in this monarchy mm-hmm. <laughs> was always a question for me. But yeah, I I remember thinking that side of it was um, one of those things where I realized, oh yeah, I I've loved what we did with sort of the melding of Disney franchises here. But yeah, where does Mickey come in more on this? I want I want more of like badass. It's like badass Mickey with a keyblade was like to me as a kid, Yoda in Attack of the Clones going crazy with yeah. his, his lightsaber. I, w- I wanted to see more of that, Mickey. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, shout out to Kingdom Hearts point two, I think it was, the prologue that explained and kind of showed how Mickey ended up in just his, like, boxers in that scene. <laughs> yeah. Continuity matters. A... And and they followed through with it years later, <laughs> but it, it got there. Yeah. It's true. Um. Yeah, I, I do love that the diversion, actually. I, I, I haven't played 0.2 since it came out, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, actually, that look at that. It's a nice touch. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I can take Nemo Atkins 2's comment from Reddit. Um, Nemo, uh, of course, famous Disney character. Yes. So we, we can hope. Uh, more of a funny story, but I first got KH1 back in 2018 to play it alongside my then-girlfriend. She was a fan of the series and kept talking about it. So when I started coming over with my PS3 and staying over on weekends, I picked up the first two games to allow her to relive the games while I played them for the first time. Because I wanted to play the games alongside her so she could relive the experiences and it could be something, or excuse me, and it could sometimes be two weekends between playing the game, I inevitably forgot how to switch out skills and because I barely looked at the menu, I completely forgot all about this. Well, I get to the level inside the whale and I fight the boss for the first time. I lose the fight, although to my credit, I came very close to beating it and my girlfriend takes the controller to have a go. She also loses and asks what skills I have equipped. My response you can equip skills. I did not live that one down for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there were definitely a couple times where I think I got so into it. I forgot to check Mm -hmm. in and update my skills. But, uh, after I think a mistake or two where I felt severely underpowered in a fight or two, I always, always tried to keep up with my skills. Yep. Pretty much. And, uh, just as a brief aside and mention, uh, no one really submitted anything about the gummy ship, and I just realized we hadn't talked about the gummy ship, but that's because it doesn't really need to be talked about. It's the gummy ship. Probably for the best. In yep. Kingdom Hearts 1, <laughs> but thank you to everyone of you who has submitted uh, your favorite memories and moments from Kingdom Hearts. As always, in the show notes down below, you will find links to the subreddits where you can share your own memories and moments from this game that you love so much, and I can't wait to read them. Now let's say you've listened to Jonathan and I talk about this game and you're wondering, man, this sounds like a darn toot and good time. Where can I get myself a copy? Well, we are here to help you with that as well. First off, you can actually still buy the PS2, the original PS2 game on Amazon, and it's only 15 bucks brand new. I'm on Amazon right now and you could have it delivered by Saturday. An absolute steal. Absolute steal. Absolutely worth it. fantastic game. But if you want some of the newer versions, you can do that as well. Um, You can buy the uh, PS3 version or the PS4 version if you want. 
Um, for those, the PS4 version of Kingdom Hearts 1.5 2.5 Remix is actually only $2 more expensive than the PS2 version of Kingdom Hearts 1, if you so choose. Wow. Um, <laughs> if you want to buy the European, the PAL version, if you want the US version, it will cost you about $27. Um, and th- this is brand new. Uh, PS3 version will net you around $46, so unless you don't have a PS, uh, PS4, uh, I guess just pick pick that one up, I guess. Um, but that's not also the only place that you can buy it. If you want the entire collection of Kingdom Hearts games uh, for the PlayStation 4, it will net you about $28. For all the games, minus the uh, Melody of Memory, which is the latest game that came out, and Kingdom Hearts 3, those aren't included. But yes, that's only $29. So really easy to pick these up. And if you want to spend even more money, it'll be coming out (laughs) on PC for full price. I believe 1.5 Remix is going to be um, $49.99. Because why, why charge less of a price for these games? summer when you know you can probably get it (laughs) exactly exactly yeah um those uh the fan mods aren't going to come cheap this is true that's all square is saying and good news it's 1.5 and 2.5 remix and it's 50 dollars. so really it's like 25 dollars each perfect it's a bargain (laughs) exactly it's a bargain the honestly these games are worth it if it's your first time yes pick them up um, or probably wait like a month because I imagine they will go down in price <laughs> or on sale fairly quickly. Um, and of course, on PS4 and Xbox, on Xbox One and Xbox Series X and Series S, the Kingdom Hearts games are on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, you can download them for free. And on PS4, and I believe it's they're like thirty bucks ish. I'm not entirely sure. Sounds about right. right. Um, but yeah, you pretty much as long as you have a video game console that isn't the Switch, you will be able to to play this game fairly easily. There, there's no excuse Correct. unless you only own a Nintendo. Right. In that regard, go play Bravely Default too. <laughs> now, let's say you have picked up your copy of Kingdom Hearts, and you're like, "Oh, this is this is tough. I don't know what I'm doing. Help! Help!" Well, we're here to help you still so john what tips or advice would you give to brand new keyblade wielders uh well actually going back to uh nemo atkins's atkins's story excuse me i would definitely say pay attention to your skills do not neglect those uh if let their story be a cautionary tale for you uh, it is really important to keep those in mind, to keep uh, activating them when you get them, to figuring out which ones you want. Uh, and also, I, especially because all that information is so easily and readily out there, I don't really consider it, um, you know, obviously if you want to stay uh, spoiler-free from the story and, and where the things go, even though we, of course, talked about a bunch of different worlds, but um, I would definitely recommend looking into the skills and abilities list and how those roll out, especially for making those initial decisions. Cause as we were saying, like choosing between sword 
staff and shield or the other questions that you answer. I was just choosing things because I was a kid and thought, I'm going to be honest and choose what I like. But if you're playing and you want to make sure you're having the best time that you want, uh, maybe look up what those answers actually mean, because I think it kind of helps. <laughs> um, moving on from that, but though slightly tangentially related to uh, abilities, I always loved being able to up my aerial combat options. Um, so the more I could juggle enemies in the air, the more I could chain skills in the air to recover in the air and things like that. Um, especially in Kingdom Hearts 1, where things are a little bit more basic or a little more limited, I always found it was super important to be able to have that aerial flow uh, and found that I often did my best work in the air. Uh, and by work, I mean combat. Um, in addition to that, I, because it, obviously it is a running joke for for people if you're new to Kingdom Hearts, I think, um, it, it's often a joke of, of Donald and his healing capabilities. You can go into the menus and you can sort of tweak how Donald and Goofy react in combat and at least for me maybe it was just uh the placebo effect but i felt like it made somewhat of a difference i agree <laughs> uh i don't know I, yeah i really feel like it did matter in the end uh and i uh especially when it came to them using items that i would give them or using their magic for their abilities uh, i found that that could often be make or break uh, especially when you're in a gauntlet like the Coliseum or other places where you can't pop out of combat and adjust things mid battles too often, make making sure they play the way you want them to can really, really affect the tide of some of those battles. Um, and then, yeah, I, I just, my general one always is, especially as I was saying earlier, like I think you should start with kingdom hearts one. And I don't think you should be intimidated by everything you have heard of the franchise. And as you were saying, people, multiple people having the same faces or same names, and why there may be copies of people digitally and you know, what's a nobody versus a heartless versus all these different things. Um, I know the, the lore can get uh, lengthy and deep, but one, I think really does a great job of keeping it manageable enough that everything you may have heard about conversations around kingdom hearts, like put any of those, like, am I going to have to know, you know, X, Y, and Z and how X is actually two and you know whatever it there there's no there's no real algebra you need to do when you get or calculus when you get with just kingdom hearts one you can you can understand it all just diving into that that uh, experience great great tips now for my tips uh kind of hearkening back to the discussion on the specific questions you answer at the beginning of the game so you will either set out at dawn midday or in the dead of night now each of these depending on your th the three questions you answer will affect the speed in which you level up in different portions of the game uh different level ranges if you set off at dawn you'll level up faster than uh the normal rate but after f uh, but only after level 50 if you set out at midday it's a pretty even uh, level curve throughout the entire experience you gain this you gain experience at the same rate regardless of what level you're in and in dead of night uh excuse me at dawn you will level up faster between level one and 50 um, and then in the dead of night it'll take a bit longer to level up to 50 but once you get to 50 the curve it will get a bit faster for you and you'll gain more experience from 50 to level 99 or level 100 so just just a little info on uh, what that means because yeah. first time we had no idea what it meant <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
definitely good to know going in, I think, doesn't spoil the experience to know really at all. Right. Correct. Correct. Now we are on to perhaps one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Jonathan, what enemy or enemies are you bringing to the arena this week? Uh, Because naturally I cheated and I just can't pick one. Um, Going back to what we were talking about of sort of the, uh, how Hollow Bastion I think really emphasizes the scale and the, the gravity of what's going on, I think in every way. Uh, I think it does the same when it comes to introducing new forms of Heartless. And li- like I was saying, I, in particular for Kingdom Hearts 1, I love that initial bestiary. Like, I I really absorbed as much as I could of who all these enemies were and tried to understand how to fight all of them differently. But something about the combination of the, the Wyverns and the Defenders in Hollow Bastion when they're introduced together, uh, pretty much, uh, is this really, really great example of essentially needing to be able to master all the types of combat, like being able to be defensive and uh, have great air, uh, great, excuse me, ground combat, uh, to be able to use your magic for enemies that are close by or range, to be able to fight in the air and then get back on the ground, land, maybe counter a defender or dodge out of the way, and then, you know, keep going. I think it, it offered a lot of really great strategy and apologies if you hear a small uh, digging noise behind me. My dog has suddenly taken a great interest in the carpet around. <laughs> um, the the sort of the combination of those things, even though they are two distinct enemies, and I love the design of them. I think they're they're really great designs, especially the like the shield face on the defender mm-hmm. shield. I think is really cool. Um, it, but you know, just that that combination to me really felt like a. I, I loved grinding in that area, not just because it was a lot of great XP, but because I found those battles fun to repeat. Um, so for, for me, that's probably the, the combo that I love the most. If I had to choose one, I'd probably say the defender, just cause I think that the concept of the shield with them is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I land on that. Perfect. Perfect. Also the defender has a great shield for goofy as well. So be sure to grind that out. Oh yes. Yeah. But for stats, we'll start with the wyvern and we will do this, uh, their stats after you rescue Kyrie. Uh, the Wyvern has 180 health with a strength of 31, defense of 20, MP of 48, and will give you 150 experience. Uh, rewards from the Wyvern include HP prizes times 3, uh, 5 monies, uh, 20, uh, you have money times 2, You like 5 of them can drop, 20 single monies, um, there's a 4% chance that high potions will drop, a single percent that an elixir will drop, and 4% that a power crystal will drop. Now moving on to the defender. Same situation. Uh, this will be after the rescue. Definitely a lot more health. They have 600 health, 31 strength, 20 defense, 48 MP, and will give you 300 experience. Their rewards, if you beat them, uh, you'll get some MP prizes, you'll get monies, and um, but you have, they have a 2% chance of dropping an elixir, 4% chance of dropping a bright crystal, and a 0.2% chance of dropping the defender shield for Goofy. <laughs> it's very rare, but it's worth it. 
yeah. it's a very good shield. Yeah, that was one. That was one of those moments. Just to go back to the like keeping track of your skills and making sure to switch out when you need them. I think that was one of those things where like I barely equipped Lucky Strike when I was first playing, and then realizing how that could benefit me. Mm-hmm to be able to get the defender shield knowing how great it was yes. was very much a like oh yeah it's it pays to be able to really mix and match these abilities as you go on mm-hmm. that it does that it does That is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Jonathan, thank you so much for uh, nerding out with me about some Kingdom Hearts tonight. I very much appreciate it, sir. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a total blast. I haven't been able to to wax poetic about the game in a while, so this has been a true joy. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, but what do you have cooking? Where can people find you online? Feel free to stand up and uh, plug yourself. <laughs> Um, I, well, I'll, I'll stay sitting cause I'm, I'm very tired, but, uh, I will, uh, of course point everyone to, uh, IGN where I'm, uh, currently our senior features editor. Uh, and so no specific projects that I can tout in the works that I can speak to, but I can definitely say in terms of recent stuff, I wrote a really fun deep dive into the ending of bug snacks. And I spoke with the, uh, creative director and writer, about how the ending changed really dramatically. So if you happen to have played Bug Snacks or don't care if you, the ending is spoiled for you, uh, that was a really, it's one of my most uh, fun interviews I've ever had while covering games. So I highly recommend checking that article out just because everything they had to say about the, the game making practice was really interesting. Uh, but of course, over there, I host Podcast Beyond, our weekly PlayStation show, which is live every Wednesday. Uh, so definitely go check that out if you want some weekly PlayStation goodness with my co-hosts, uh, Lucy, Brian, and Max. Uh, I'm also on Next Gen Console Watch there, which is our uh, weekly show where we talk about all the Next Gen, now New Gen news. Next Gen is a little silly, but, you know, it's still really hard to get those things. So it's kind of Next Gen still <laughs> for a lot of people. Uh, and then also recently I've started... Uh, streaming quite a bit and so i'm streaming over on twitch at twitch.tv slash dornology uh and i've been playing a whole bunch of stuff but uh on the weekends i typically play Soulsborns because i'd never really played those uh but now have totally fallen head over heels for them and i am currently making my way through sekiro uh so if you want to go uh watch along or watch vod's those are up uh it's really great time and there's a really really fun a uh, kind community who hangs out through all of those streams. And they're all a bunch of wonderful people. Uh, so if you if you want to come for some wacky, embarrassing gameplay uh, on my end, I definitely recommend it. Definitely give him a follow, especially on Twitch. You're uh, I've very much enjoyed your Soulsborne runs uh, playthroughs and everything, and your recent Sekiro uh, death to the general was a, a, a quality <laughs> content. Uh, Thank but... you. That was yeah. But no, you do fantastic stuff, and I always like watching uh, podcasts beyond and, and checking out your stuff. So, um, well, thank you, really appreciate. Of course, that. of course. But thank you to each and every one of you that's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I would really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at Irrational Pod with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or share it directly with me. And or share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. And as always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.